Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning a series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children, but we'll leave that for you as the parent to decide. Now here's part one of Pastor Michael's teaching, An Invitation to Intimacy. We are going to be in the Song of Solomon this morning, which is about in the middle of your Bible. It's in the wisdom literature. Three books that Solomon wrote are all together. The Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then the Song of Solomon. So if you can find the Psalms and Proverbs, you're going to go a little bit to your right, and you're going to get to the Song of Solomon. It's a short book. It's eight chapters. It was written by Solomon probably during his earlier life, uh, no doubt, as we'll explain in a moment. He wrote Ecclesiastes when he was older. Proverbs, probably when he was middle-aged, and he wrote the Song of Solomon most likely when he was younger. It could well be on the eve or close to his first marriage. Now, you all know that Solomon had a a lot of women in his life, and uh, there's some implications in this book that this was either his first marriage or it was very early in his life. It is all about romance on the face value. So I will tell you this, if you have younger ones either watching at home or in the sanctuary right now, which I don't think we do, take advantage of the Sunday school or just make sure that you're aware. There will be some adult content, but I will tell you this, it's very delicate. It's done very delightfully and beautifully. So uh, we'll, we'll keep it, you know, it'll be PG, PG-13. So The overall series we're calling this is an invitation to intimacy in the Song of Solomon. Uh, How many of you have ever heard a sermon series on the Song of Solomon? Raise up your hand. Okay, it's a fairly small percentage. And they say that this book scares preachers uh, more than the book of Revelation, (laughs) which, you know. and, And here's probably why. It is talking about romance and love and intimacy and focusing more on the, maybe we would say the feeling side of things. And so male preachers, probably a lot like me, may have a more difficult time with some of the concepts and the link that we are the bride of Christ. When guys hear that we're the bride of Christ, sometimes assimilating that and understanding that is a little bit difficult. But this Song of Solomon is an important part of our Bibles. It is in our Bibles, and it's there for a reason. Let me explain that most of you growing up in the church are exposed to doctrines within the church. When you hear about sex, what you typically think is in the negative in the church. For example, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 puts it this way. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And then it talks about how you should guard yourself and abstain from sexual immorality. Now, the two words sexual immorality in our English Bibles is a single word, pornea, in the Greek. It's where we get the word pornography. And that word basically means any illicit sexual relationship outside the covenant of marriage. 
So some of you may be wondering, well, why do I have to wait until I'm married? If God created this and it's something that's good and even celebrated in the Song of Solomon, why do I need to wait? Because what is celebrated in the Song of Solomon is within a covenant of marriage. I'm going to be a little bit blunt, but I think you're going to get the picture. When a woman is with a man for the first time, she bleeds. Why? Because blood is a sign of the covenant. And when we do things outside of God's order, we upend his best for us and we also muddy the spiritual picture. Here's the spiritual picture. Christ loves his church. The father gave the son to be married to his bride. The dowry was the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it cost to buy you. The wedding feast is pictured in Revelation 19. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. Revelation 21 says the bride has made herself ready. The Bible is filled with these images of marriage comparing it to our spiritual life. So there's been three main interpretations of the Song of Solomon. One is an allegorical uh, interpretation. Basically, Jewish scholars believe possibly that it was a basically a song a poetic treatment of the book of Exodus, which we've been studying on Wednesday nights. And basically, here's how it works. The children of Israel are the bride. God is the groom or the potential groom. They're in Egypt and they want to be taken to his uh, chambers, if you will, into the promised land. So these scholars would say that everything's allegorical. There's no literal content. The people are made up. And it's simply a poetic or allegorical way to look at Exodus. For example, there was a marriage covenant given at Mount Sinai. You all know a ketubah in the Hebrew idea. God made a covenant with the people. He offered the covenant. They said, I will, etc. Now, the second way to see the book, and I think that this is a more solid way to see it, is in typology. What is typology? Simply meaning that this story does involve Solomon and a Shulamite bride we'll talk about, but it has a second layer of a way to look at it or on a higher spiritual plane. While it is about a real romance between two real people, on a spiritual level, it is about our intimacy with God. When we see passages like to know him, you've probably heard that the word know has intimacy, uh, close connotations in marriage. And the, the picture that's being painted for us is that when we know God, it's compared to a knowing within marriage. Of course, we don't push it too far, but you get the idea. Let me give you an example. For Israel, whenever they committed spiritual adultery against God, they were with another idol, they worshiped a false God, that was compared to spiritual adultery. So that our intimacy with God as compared in marriage, is probably paralleled on a spiritual plane with our worship. When we worship another God, when, when our hearts turn away from God, that is the parallel. Paul puts it this way, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his sufferings. God is inviting us into a close, intimate relationship with him probably best pictured in marriage. By the way, when the book of Genesis says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, 
Hebrew scholars say that that word one there or one flesh is first and foremost about their physical intimate relationship. We can talk about friendship oneness. We can talk about, you know, uh, different ways that we are close to a person. But in the Hebrew there, it's no doubt that it's about the sexual intimacy of two literally becoming one. And so over the years of church history, the church has oftentimes steered so far on the conservative side that they've even said things like this. Don't have sexual intimacy except for purposes of procreation. To have babies. To be fruitful and multiply. That is absolutely false. Intimacy within marriage can produce offspring, but the main purpose of it is oneness. It's to know a person this side of heaven like you could never know anyone else. And that is what's being celebrated in the Song of Solomon. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for all the folks that are here. I thank you for the word of God. Every part of it is inspired and profitable. But this is a sensitive area. And there are some who have the gift of singleness in this room. Some are widowed or widowers. Um, Some are coming off the heels of a very broken relationship. And there's a lot of healing that needs to occur in some of these areas, Lord. And we all realize it. None of us have arrived and we want to pray that from the beginning. We all know that we need grace in these areas. We're growing. We're learning. None of us have done it perfectly, I'm sure. But I pray that we'd have ears to hear what you would say to us about the art of attraction, about love within the context of a beautiful covenant, about the fact that you designed marriage and intimacy to be something celebrated and wonderful and something that we can share with a person that is like nothing else. And I pray that you would show us what you want us to see, give us ears to hear and a heart to respond in a way that pleases you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, the Song of Solomon opens with the Song of Songs. That's verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, which is Solomon's. Sometimes you will see the, the actual book called the Song of Songs. Sometimes it's called the Song of Solomon. You might wonder why. Well, pretty much because of verse 1. It's a superscription, but basically it's merging both the ideas together. You could call it the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. The reason it's called the Song of Songs is because it is the song of all songs or what Solomon might consider the most important song. You might have a top five of songs that you like of all time, worship songs or otherwise. That's kind of what's being said here. Similar ideas are the holy of holies, the heavens of heavens, the king of kings, the lord of lords. This is the song of all songs. In fact, the Bible tells us that Solomon wrote quite a bit in his lifetime. First Kings 4, we'll put up on the screen for you. This is verses 29 through 34. It reads this way. God gave wisdom, gave Solomon wisdom, First Kings 4, 29, and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. And his fame, we'll skip some of those hard names, was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 Proverbs. We have 31 in the book of Proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. So this is the song of songs, or the best of them, if you will. 
He spoke of trees from the cedar that is Lebanon. Lebanon's mentioned six times in the Song of Solomon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals. We'll see that in the song, birds, creeping things, and fish. And men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who heard of his wisdom. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. He spoke also of animals. We'll see that in the song. Birds, creeping things, and fish. And men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who heard of his wisdom. Now, it is important to recognize that the book is within wisdom literature because we need wisdom in this area of life. Uh, My wife was just reading something recently. It came from a university. And what was it? 96% of those college students are now saying they are what? Gender confused. Was that how it was put? Something, Something of that nature. Look, we have opened Pandora's box with losing the idea of biblical marriage, the redefinition of marriage, and now all these genders that are out there, I think they're up to about 70 right now. I don't know how that actually occurs, but this is what's being said. We're rejecting what we're assigned at birth and we're gonna determine our own gender. This is, it's become nuts. It's almost like, is this a dream or you know, is this a joke? But it's not a joke. There is mass confusion and there is a need for biblical wisdom. And the Bible actually does address these things. In fact, I would say to you that most of our moral issues in our world and the tragedies that are linked from them have to do with a vacating of biblical wisdom on this issue. For example, premarital sex, and otherwise, and then babies that are unexpected, and you know how this snowball rolls. This is kind of how it goes, because we don't do things God's way. Let me just say that I didn't do things God's way. Uh, I didn't really become a Christian until my early 20s. I had some background in the things of God, but I was not committed to the Lord, and I didn't know his word. And so 
a lot of these areas that I'm going to talk about today, for me, are areas where I failed. I sinned against the Lord. But the good news is that he gave me and my wife a new beginning in Christ and to build on a proper foundation. And so this is in wisdom literature. It's penned by Solomon. That's obvious from the first uh, verse. Now, the structure of the book is that many believe that it's a commentary, an extended commentary on Genesis 2, 23 and 24, set in a garden motif. And the structure of the book or the format is it's written in seven idols, if you're taking notes, I-D-Y-L-S. Seven idols are basically seven songs written in a kind of rural pastoral setting with a romantic cast. The best way to capture the genre here is that it is a song, but it's more like musical theater. And there are four main actors or actresses in the play. One is the Shulamite bride. She's a young bride. The second is Solomon. He's the bridegroom. The third is the daughters of Jerusalem, her friends and maybe part of her wedding party. And then her brothers, the brothers of the bride. Four main characters in the play. There's two, uh, and I would say, to my uh, liking or knowledge, two main backstories. One, Solomon visited one of his many vineyards as a king early in his rule. He ruled Jerusalem from 970 B.C. to 930 B.C. He visited one of his vineyards and he saw a peasant girl who was stunningly beautiful and he was attracted to her and he called her over. She was overwhelmed by who he was and shy and ran away from him. And so in the running away from him, he realized that to win her, he needed to dress in the garb of a shepherd and become more on her level. So he goes back to the palace. This is conjecture, but one possible backdrop. He puts on the garb of a shepherd, then goes and meets her. She's more comfortable with him. A relationship develops, and then she realizes that he's the king. Now, this is an interesting possible backstory because we serve a shepherd king. His name is Jesus. At Sinai, the people were afraid of God. They said, you go talk to him. They made a marriage covenant, but it was largely from a distance. But when Jesus came as our good shepherd, we got to know him face to face on our level. He became one of us. And so it may well be that Solomon is a type of the Messiah. We don't want to push it too far. But Solomon was the son that was going to sit on David's throne. And there is a definite parallel from Solomon to Christ. And so that's one way to see it. Now, others see it this way. Solomon shows up at that same vineyard, sees that same girl, but she's in love with a shepherd boy who's uh, distinct from Solomon. And Solomon tries to win her, though she's in love with somebody else. And the book is him trying to basically woo her to himself away from the shepherd boy that she actually loves. I do not give much credence to option two because I don't think that Solomon would write a book where he's the villain, do you? (laughs) And plus there's enough in the book to see that she actually loves Solomon. So I think option two is out. I think Solomon is, if there is a backstory that we can kind of link this to, I think the first option that he's the shepherd king is a good one. There are seven idols here uh, that we'll come across set in song or musical theater. And some of the 
content is, you might even say erotic. You might find yourself, instead of saying amen, saying, oh my. And uh, you, you may have thought that, is this book really in my Bible? I've, did someone like tape it in there or something? No, it's been there for a long time. In fact, this book was accepted by all the Jewish fathers and all the early Christian fathers, although there was some debate because of its content, like some people had questions about it, but it was accepted from very early days on a wide spectrum. So the book is about romantic love, but it has that additional higher level of spiritual intimacy. You've been listening to An Invitation to Intimacy, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, 1 through 2, 7. Of course, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. You can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have on his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. One of the things that I want you to see as we have embarked on the Song of Solomon is that character matters. You can see that as this book unfolds and as we begin to explore romantic love, which is some of the most exciting stuff of life. Let's, let's, you know, be honest. We, we love romance. We love love stories. And especially, of course, when they're done the right way and, uh, you know, with God's design, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful part of life. Love is such a wonderful part of life. And, you know, when you think about what excites the Shulamite woman here, she talks about his name. He's a, he's a man of honor. She says that he's a man that others respect. And uh, he, he's a man who's doing things the right way. And so in this, this very first teaching, those are some of the things that we want you to see is that when you have a good name, that's important. When you do things God's way, that's important. And some of you may be saying, well, what if I didn't do things God's way? Should I be embarrassed uh, as the book unfolds or convicted? Perhaps maybe convicted, but you're listening to a guy right now who didn't do things the right way. In many respects, I became a Christian in my early 20s and uh, certainly left some baggage behind me, no doubt, of not doing things God's way. But when you come to know the Lord and you are learning his ways to know him is to know his ways. We learn that in the book of Exodus, you can amend uh, your ways to his ways. Even in your marriage, if you've been married for 20 years and you're listening right now and you would say, man, we're, we're so far away from this, you know, sparking romantic, intimate love, even if you've been married a few decades, is a really good thing because we're supposed to love each other for life. And, the beautiful thing about God's love is that it's always fresh, always new, never gives up, always is seeing the best in us. Boy, I tell you, there's so many lessons to learn 
from this very first chapter of the Song of Solomon. I pray you're you're blessed by it. I pray that you'll listen to it with an open heart and an open mind. And even if you have some hurts from the past or even the present, you can lay those at the foot of the cross and find renewal in your marriage. And if you're someone who is engaged or you know, you're courting someone right now or you're thinking about uh, what the future might look like. Maybe your uh, marriage is, is, is a ways off for you, but it is your hope. It is your desire. There's a lot you can learn that's preemptive here that will prepare you well to know what God's plan is for intimacy in marriage. And so I pray it'll be a blessing to you. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We are airing the Song of Solomon right here on the program. And we pray that you're encouraged by it. We do have a number that you can call if you're in need of prayer or just someone to talk to. Maybe you have a marriage that's in trouble. The number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Just know as the book is aired, our desire is that even if there's some hurt in your life, that you can find some healing and some mending. You can call during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1-1 through chapter 2-7, called An Invitation to Intimacy. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.